Thank you for downloading this episode of A History of Central Florida podcast. This is the podcast where we explore Central Florida's history through the artifacts found in local area museums and historical societies. This series is brought to you by Riches, the regional initiative to collect the history, experiences, and stories of Central Florida and the Orange County Regional History Center. I am Daniel Velasquez and I will be your host for today's episode titled Rollins Collegiate Wear. Displaying the school colors and symbols, the Rollins Letterman sweater and matching beanie hat seen here were used by a student in the 1930s. It was as much a representation of school unity as similar present-day items. Rollins College was established in 1885 in Winter Park as a private liberal arts college. Like Winter Park itself, many students from New England came to Rollins College. During this same time, collegiate athletic competitions were rising in popularity, as Dr. Christopher Laws from Vanderbilt University tells us. Well, the whole iconography and symbols around student life in the undergraduate college emerge really with the founding of organized higher learning in colonial America, but the specific symbols and colors and uniforms that we associate uh, with contemporary higher education dates back to the uh, late 19th and early 20th century and the emergence of organized uh, intercollegiate athletics. Several uh, key items that go with the organization of uh, intercollegiate athletics uh, are school colors, uh, specific uh, songs, uh, and various rituals around uh, the sporting events. And this is something that uh, really starts in the Northeast uh, at the older colleges, but it becomes part of the organization of undergraduate education at every college around the country uh, to the point where uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find any school that doesn't have uh, a mascot and school colors and various other symbols and, and, and uh, pageantries of some sort or the other uh, associated with it. Camaraderie was given tangible form in the uniforms and articles of clothing that students wore. Colors and symbols on such collegiate wear not only suggested one's belonging to an institution, but also was a show of support for college athletics. These expressions of school spirit also provided a sense of unity among the student population. It made them feel they belonged to one community that these public displays of conformity demonstrated. Dr. Jack Lane, Professor Emeritus from Rollins College, tells us about the early history of sports at the college. Rollins was, um, had a football team. I don't know if you know the history of sports, but football in colleges at the time had no restrictions whatsoever, and uh, both football and baseball, as a matter of fact. And um, at the in the... In the first decades of the 19th century, with um, particularly with baseball teams coming down here for spring training, uh, the some of them would come early. Some of the professionals would come early and play on the Rollins baseball team. And um, Rollins started a football team in much the same way. People, students, it was not clear that these were all students who were playing football for Rollins at this time. Tennis became a very important part of the. Uh, of Rollins' sports in the 1920s, particularly in 30s. Rollins, the Rollins tennis team has a long tradition that uh, continues today. It Usually in Division Two, it's uh, often playing in the finals. In this, so it started pretty early. Sports started pretty early in the, 
in the at the college. But during World War One, the college needed every all the money it can get, and the Navy uh, wanted to. Um, use Lake Virginia as a training place, and they could use Rollins' empty dormitories for the um, sailors who were, came down. And so Rollins agreed to allow them to come down, and they created their own sports teams and called themselves TARS, naval term. And um, when, they, when the war was over, Rollins kept the term. World War I brought the school's baseball nickname, and it tested the school in many other ways. Uh, the 1920s was a pivotal period in the history of the college because uh, it had really uh, run into troubles during the uh, during the First World War when most of the students had left, or many of the male students at least. So um, the college try was um, desperate to get someone who could turn it around, and did. They got a man named Hamilton Holt who came down and brought with him some really uh, important. Uh, educational ideas, uh, mostly from the progressive movement uh, led by John Dewey. And so uh, Holt really uh, brought in um, a kind of uh, shift in the way the college had been conceived and, and its whole curriculum. So he began to change not only the curriculum, which was a pretty progressive curriculum at the time, but also the whole tenor and nature of the college in that direction. So that was a very, 20s were a very important period. The 1920s ushered in other big changes to colleges and universities in general, particularly regarding the growth of the idea of school spirit. This idea arose from the continued popularity of college sports, as Dr. Loss explains. There's a very palpable sense of school spirit by the 1920s and 30s. This is the heyday. Uh, of uh, you know college uh, athletics, or at least its earliest form. The NCAA is uh, created in 1906, and the um, formation of uh, really competitive sporting teams, especially around college football, is something that uh, serves as a mass ritual of sorts to unite students and members of the faculty and administration around a sort of a common uh, spirit. Uh, and I think that uh, this is a, a really critical part of the formation of kind of school uh, school spirit that we associate with with going to college, uh, and that is in fact probably uh, greater now than it maybe has ever been at many institutions. School spirit transcends time and space to join generations of alumni together. Dr. Loss tells us about the variety of factors that promote this. I think school, school spirit is a defining feature of undergraduate life. A lot of it has to do with the maturation and then the institutionalization of collegiate athletics, the formation uh, in the 19th century, and then again the official uh, kind of codification of undergraduate organizations, especially the formation of Greek organizations, fraternities and sororities. All of these uh, are the sort of seedbed of the undergraduate experience. And with each of these organizations comes a, a whole host of uh, rituals and forms of pageantry that sort of create uh, a deep history to these uh, organizations, ones that uh, fundamentally transcend time and place, uniting uh, students from one era with students uh, from another to the point where 
any graduate of a college or university can return at some point to an alumni weekend or a homecoming football game, which is a more common、uh, experience or ritual. Dr. Lane talks about ways students created extracurricular life at Rollins College. Well, you know, this was a、um, this was a pretty provincial little town at the time. In fact, when I came in the 1960s, Rollins College was still the、um, artistic center of Central Florida. There was practically nothing happening in this town、uh, in in terms of student life. So students pretty much found their own entertainment on campus. The campus was, in in this sense, sort in one sense, sort of isolated,、uh, very much a different kind of、uh, place. But much of it was、uh, built so that the students. Built their own lives here, so fraternities and sororities were very, very important. In fact, Holt really started most of those in that sense. So social life really revolved around the the,、um, the fraternities and sororities here. Of course, other factors affected unity at the Rollins campus. The student demographics of the time probably played a larger role. Typically. Rollins attracted students mostly from the Northeast.、Uh, this was almost from the very beginning a Northeastern college. You could travel around the state and probably not find very many people、uh, outside the Central Florida who knew what, that Rollins existed, but they knew very people in the Northeast knew a lot about it. It was not cheap, so、uh, it had a tendency to attract、um, kind of wealthy students. From the northeast, so that gave it a certain tenor. If you look at the photographs of Rollins in the、uh, 1920s, you see a pretty typical jazz age look about the college, about the students, kind of clothes they were wearing, and had a、um, had a very cosmopolitan look about it. Even though it was sort of in a in a kind of backwaters of、um, of the United States at the time. Despite the unity that Letterman sweaters and other collegiate wear represented, other articles of clothing could also embody quite contrary feelings. Beanie hats, for example, became imposed displays of difference for underclassmen. This goes, I think, this goes back to the 19th century way of identifying these people who were、uh, underclassmen. But Rollins was very much a part in those kind of in that kind of tradition where freshmen, all freshmen, were supposed to wear these little. Stupid hats around. <laughs> the antagonism that existed towards underclassmen, as well as the beanies, disappeared during the 1960s. Rollins were very much in the 60s and 70s, very much a part of the student movement in that period of students rejecting、uh, in local parentis and re- rejecting most of the rituals. That had that were in a in a certain sense demeaning to other students, particularly when Rollins began to integrate that whole concept of forcing students to be different in some way through dress or whatever, began to disappear. Hazing didn't, but the sixties and seventies brought a really fundamental change in the whole student. Faculty, college relationship. Really, I would say that the number of ways in which Rollins students identified themselves as students in their dress began to decline quite a bit, 
as I think of it now, I hadn't thought of it before, but when I came here, there was a there was a good deal more in dress that you could identify, and, and wearing those those kinds of sweaters and logos, even uh, and so in the in the sixties and seventies, even that began to uh, to disappear some, not entirely, of course. Today, collegiate wear is still sold at campus bookstores and gift shops, and it still confers that spirit of camaraderie across time, without being exclusive as in the past. College life is still a rite of passage for many, a kind of ritual, and there is no greater popular display of that rite than wearing the school shirt and hat. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of A History of Central Florida Podcast. If you would like to see these and other items that tell the history of Central Florida, you can visit the Olin Library at Rollins College, 1000 Holt Avenue, Winter Park, Florida, 32789. Make sure to join us for our next episode, Leather Fire Helmet.